Now, today's sermon is entitled Pasture Land. We are going to be talking about the ending part of chapter 34. Okay, and this is the ending part of 34 where, where Jesus says, where God says that uh, after he scolds all the shepherds, which was last week's sermon, he tells the sheep, I'm going to bring you to a pasture land where you will be safe. I'm going to drive out every threat. I'm going to give you a place that's going to be fertile and fruitful and you're going to be safe. You're going to be fed. Now, there's always been... Okay, and, and along the way, if you look at this little section, it opens with, I'm going to make a covenant of peace with you. And then at the very end of chapter 34, he says, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my sheep, my human sheep, and I shall be your God. Now, every time you hear that kind of language, I will be your God, you will be my people, it's covenant language. God is cutting promise with his people. Okay, so throughout the whole Bible, there is constantly this picture where God covenants with men, God covenants with men, and in the intersection of God's covenant with men, there is healing and blessing coming upon the land. Okay, so these three things are always coming together God cutting promise with men, and because of that promise, the land is blessed. You can see it um, in your slide. Right now, I hope you can see it. Sorry, I made the visual a little bit too small. I probably should have like selected everything and enlarged it a bit, um, but I but I did not. Um, so, but you can see it, right? Wherever God makes promise with man and man honors that covenant relationship, the land will thrive. Where have we seen it? Right? God covenants with Adam and Eve, right? Obey. These are the terms. These are the parameters, right? And and then the land is. It is in full flourishing, right? Um, God covenants with um, with Abraham. Right? He covenants with Noah, right? And, and through that, the land is cleansed, right? He covenants with Abraham. I'm going to bring you to a land, a fertile land. He does the same with Moses, you know, after 400 years of, of slavery, right? He, he makes a promise with him, and now I'm going to bring you back to a land that on which you will belong. That land will be plentiful. He does the same with Joshua, right? Uh, and they go in, they see that the land is so fertile, the grapes are so huge, you know, everything is so huge. And he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Only don't be afraid, stay with me, right? And, he, and on and on it goes. Throughout the history of God's flock, God has always made promise with them, as he does later with David, he says, I shall be your God, you shall be, you shall be uh, 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 um, uh, obedient with me, and I will, upon your throne, I will set a king, you know. And they did, right? And, and, and that happened. It happened with Solomon. And then the land continued to thrive, and they, were, and they became prosperous. Now, every time man breaks covenant with God, every time man breaks covenant with God, then man finds himself alone, adrift, exposed to the to the elements of the world often in many ways god calls them back he calls them back gently he calls them back strongly he calls them back uh, by by bringing tolerable levels of disaster so that they will come back and often they don't and the disaster becomes more and more intolerable and yet he keeps calling them back and calling them back and he keeps finding every he sends people prophet after prophet after prophet to reach out to them but along the way the longer man separates from god and does his own thing men and women humankind you know the land continues to become more and more cursed and ceases to yield its fruit there's a deep and biblical relationship between God and man's promise and working relationship, so to speak, right? And the fruitfulness of the land we live in. The same is at work in Malaysia today. That's why the Church of Malaysia must be prayerful. That's why Malaysia United Firewall, we are taking slots. It was every week we're taking slots so that our guys, we can all come together and jump in, worship, pray, because we carry the presence of God and the land will not have the presence of God unless those who carry it are carrying it, are like really carrying it, right? So my church, 
Let us remember this. Let this be a lens for the rest of today's sermon. Now, I'm going to read to you the passage from Ezekiel 34, a little bit from the earlier sections that we read last week. I'm going to summarize that and then I'm going to read this week's text. Okay, Verse 13, And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and they will bring and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Alright, next slide. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares Adonai Yahweh. The English translation is the Lord God. But today, I'm going to read every instance of God's name in its original Hebrew form. And I'll, tell, I'll show you why at the very end of the sermon. Verse 23, we jump a little forward. And I will set up over them one shepherd my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, Yahweh, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am Yahweh. I have spoken. So, a quick recap of the text from last week. God will feed his sheep on Israel's mountainside. He will make them lie down, and they will have one shepherd over them. David, or rather the descendant of David, we know that to be Jesus. But we know this in hindsight. This is 600 years before Jesus was born. This is Israel in captivity in Babylon. They are a refugee community living in a, in, in a refugee camp in Babylon, far away from home. So you have to understand that all these words being spoken are spoken over people who are far from home, out, thrown out far away from their, from their kampong and in a foreign land. And for them to hear words like this, I will bring you to a land, I will bring you home, I will gather you again. Hey, it's like, it's like a promise, you know. It's like a really big promise. You don't really know you can believe or don't believe. It's like, it's like telling England you're going to win the Euro. It's like, hey, can believe or not? Hayam haya, you know, really or not? Like, I wait so long already, you know, don't bluff me. Don't, don't raise my hopes, you know. It's like that because the people of God were, were thrown so far away from their home. They are hearing news about Jerusalem getting sieged, sacked completely destroyed. We know that from Ezekiel 33, they received news that Jerusalem was completely uh, 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 sieged already. And then to hear God's promise saying, I will bring you home, I will gather you again, and you will sleep and lie down in dangerous places and feel safe. Wow. That is like maximum high, high moment, right? It's like, really, man? You know? So let's see what else the Word of God has for us on this day, right? So let's go to the text, okay? Verse 25, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. So it's not just his hill. It's not just Jerusalem that will be a blessing. Jerusalem's on a hill, okay? It's not just Jerusalem. It's all the places around it will be blessed by God. And I will send down the showers in their seasons. And they will be showers of blessing. Moving on, verse 27. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in the land and they shall know that I am Yahweh when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. Let's move on to the next one. I think we're almost done. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am Yahweh. They are God with them. Wow, I love this. God with them. Do you see 
Where else have you heard this? God with them. Emmanuel. This is Emmanuel. I am Yahweh Emmanuel. That's essentially what God is saying, right? He's giving you a clue. He's giving us a clue already to look back and say, wow, this is, this is the voice of Jesus speaking. I am Yahweh Emmanuel, God with us. And, they, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares Adonai Yahweh. And you are my sheep. See the covenant language? I am your God. You are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares Adonai Yahweh. Father, we thank you for the reading of this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, let's summarize this new section here, right? What does it say? It means that God says, I will make a covenant of peace. I'm cutting covenant. I'm making a deal with you. You be my sheep. I be your God. You be my human sheep. You follow me, you listen to me, you hear me, and I will banish all the wild beasts from your land. You, my flock, will dwell, feed, and rest securely. Even though the land is otherwise a dangerous land, you will dwell, feed, and rest securely. The earth, the land, will become fruitful because I will send showers and it will rain again and your land will be fruitful again. I will replenish and renew your land. All these will be evidence that Yahweh was at work. Remember the line? And you will know that I am the Lord, right? Or And you will know that I am Yahweh, right? I'll get into that later. But first, three points that I want to show you today. This is a covenant to banish harm and bring peace. Number one, this is a covenant to banish harm and bring peace. Number two, this is a covenant to rescue to rescue you and to renew the land, okay? Rescue, rescue you and renew the land. Number three, in our story, whatever he does with us, whatever happens in our lives with un, under God's hand is a signature on the covenant. The covenant is signed by God and his signature, you will know that I am Yahweh, is his signature. What is his signature? How do you know that Yahweh has been there we're going to see that later. But first, now, as I go into this first point, that God is giving the people, his flock, a covenant to banish harm and to bring peace. I can tell you in Malaysia, in this present season, we want to banish harm and bring peace. How many of you, you want to banish harm and bring peace? You want to see that happening in the halls and corridors of power in Putrajaya. You want to see every harmful wild beast banished right and you want to see peace and order and righteousness be established how many of you you believe that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest over malaysia amen amen well all of us desire after that i desire after that all of us are praying for that to take place now this promise that god is giving to his people israel is very similar i'm going to banish from you all the people who have been exploiting you who have been corrupted who jaga uh, 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 their own uh, well-being and don't care if the rakyat die okay this exactly ezekiel 34 you want to read ezekiel 34 through national political lens it's all there for the taking go for it right but know this one thing that God is saying that salvation does not come by replacing those shepherds with different shepherds, with different shepherds, with different shepherds. Salvation comes when my son David, Jesus, descendant of David, comes and establishes true righteous shepherding. Now, in the Old Testament, in other words, like in Ezekiel, you're going to see a lot of prophetic language and often this prophetic language is going to speak of something that's coming up later a lot of times it's dealing with what's happening right there that's called foretelling but sometimes it will speak about things happening in the future and that's called foretelling foretelling right now i want to help us make sense of old testament prophecy and how they get fulfilled now, when you read a passage like Ezekiel 34, and it says, I'm going to banish all the wild beasts, I'm going to bring you to a land, you're going to be safe. Now, it's a bit like looking at a, at a mountain range head on. So it looks exactly like this. You see all the mountains stacked up front to back, right? You see it stacked up like this, 
And you know what? You can't tell the depth. It's not easy to tell how far one mountain is. It looks like one big block. And so hearing Old Testament, actually it's any prophecy, but because Old Testament prophecy tends to have fulfillments in the New Testament, it tends to have fulfillment in our day. Some of it has fulfillment in, in the future, in eschatological things, in end times things. It's a little bit like looking at a mountain range like that. You can't tell. Okay, so so just a little bit to the, to the previous slide, right? Um, you can't tell the, 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 the distance from each other. But actually, those mountains some are nearer to the front some are further from the front so kian you can you, you can click to the next slide now that's exactly right in reality some of that prophecy will be fulfilled sooner and then some of it will be fulfilled later and some of that prophecy will be fulfilled will be fulfilled even later but it's given by the prophet as one flattened prophecy it contains everything inside it's like looking at the mountain head on but when you see the fulfillment of it you realize that some are happening now some are happening later some is happening now some is not yet so how do we make sense let me show you okay now if you go to the next slide you will see that there is usually an immediate fulfillment of an old testament prophecy often okay or at least the first fulfillment is often the immediate one now let's be fair many of the old testament prophecies get fulfilled once and that's it but some old testament prophecies have multiple fulfillments so part of it gets fulfilled here and then some of it may be fulfilled there might be an intermediate fulfillment somewhere later and then there is one fulfillment at the very end which is the truest fulfillment the ultimate fulfillment there is the immediate there is the intermediate and then there is the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy and you're going like i need examples you cannot possibly uh, be saying this it sounds like what's going on right so i'm going to show you a couple of examples okay now um in ezekiel i'll find you one from ezekiel itself ezekiel 28 it says here moreover the word of the lord came to me son of man this is a prophecy against the king of tyre right son of man raise a lamentation over the king of tyre say to him thus says the lord god you were the signet of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty you were in eden the garden of god wait wait a minute king tyre was a kingdom during ezekiel's time what garden of eden what's this i don't get it why suddenly like you're talking about a king in history and then in like 600 bc and then suddenly you were in eden one like what's going on right so clearly the language in this one prophecy which is a like a flattened mountain i give you the mountain at the top of the pink half right is to remind you you're seeing it flat suddenly it's like okay you're the king of tyre you were in the garden of eden every precious stone was your covering Okay, that can apply to whoever, you know, in the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst. Okay, sounds like, sounds like King of Tyre, okay, and you sin. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. Oh, wait, now it sounds like it's no longer the King of Tyre again. So as you read this, there are some lines that sound, okay, sounds like an earthly king. Sounds like judgment on an earthly king. And then you read, read, eh? Sounds like it's not an earthly king anymore. What's this? He's in Eden. What? Well, and then it sounds like Tyre, and then sounds like something else, you know? Now, what's happening here is there is an immediate fulfillment of this prophecy at an immediate level. This is, um, this is a judgment on the king of Tyre. He's an earthly king who was brutal and violent. This was a king who was rich, you know, traded and was violent, right? but there is another layer an ultimate fulfillment of this okay which is it is actually talking about satan so satan's fall from grace and king of tyre's fall from grace have the same patterns and the prophet says the same thing for both of them it can apply for both of them in an immediate sense it applied for the king of tyre but in its ultimate sense all of these things you were the signet of perfection and, and we know from this that the angel lucifer was supposed to be beautiful in heaven supposed to be in high authority in heaven not higher than the second person of the trinity not higher than the than the pre-incarnate jesus not okay but the highest of the serving angels maybe 
And then you were in Eden, right? In the garden of God, every precious stone. So now you see there is an immediate fulfillment in the king of Tyre and then an ultimate fulfillment which was in reference to the angel Lucifer who became Satan. Let me show you another example. Okay, this one is from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, right? When your days, this is speaking to King David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Sounds like David, right? Sounds like David, your body, like, like biological lineage, you know. Uh, um, you will have another king, your son. He shall build a house for my name and I shall establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Mm, this is a bit weird because, okay, never mind, at that point they don't know, right? But we know that at some point their throne gets cut off and then they get carted away to Babylon, which is where we are at now. I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, okay, this can't be about the, the, the Messiah because this is about when you commit iniquity, I will discipline you with the rod of men. So this has to be David. Or actually this is about his son Solomon, right? Um, and my steadfast love will not depart from him. Immediate fulfillment is Solomon, King David's son. God tells King David, I'm going to give you a son and his throne will be forever. When he commits sin, I will discipline him, right? So this is about Solomon. But it's ultimately about Jesus. There are some parts of this that are specifically for Solomon, but all of this thing is, some of it is ultimately speaking about Jesus. I will give you a son in your lineage. He will have a throne that will last forever. This is about Jesus, okay? So you guys understand multiple fulfillments of Old Testament prophecy? Okay, we get that. All right, now, um, the thing about navigating our way through all these things is that we live in this weird space called the now and the not yet. Everybody say now and not yet. Now and not yet, right? We know from Ephesians chapter 2 that the church, okay, or we know from the end of Matthew, all authority has been given to me, to the church, right? All authority has been given to the church, okay, to do all these things. You read the end of Mark, it's even more crazy, right? That you will, you, you, you will, you will crush the head of the serpent, you will do this, you, you will not be, 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 be hurt by all these things. Like you, essentially, God tells us that church, you have authority, greater things shall you do. And so we go out, we pray for the sick, we see them get healed sometimes. We go, we pray for people who are dying, we see them come back to life. We go and we pray for people who have stage 4 cancer and sometimes we see them completely turn around. And then sometimes we don't. And we don't know why. We are asking God, how come I prayed for uncle so and so and his stage 4 cancer seemed to immediately heal and that is so great and then I could testify and I could praise God and all that and I prayed for auntie so and so and her stage 2 cancer became 3 and her stage 3 cancer became 4 and after 2 months she passed away and you don't get it you don't understand and we're trying to make sense of God you've given us a promise right can right and I've seen it take place right how come in this case like this how come in this case like that why are you not consistent so I want to share with you all this idea and I really hope Church, I really hope this helps you navigate through. We live in the now and the not yet at the same time. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that the church has been placed as the authority God has given. Jesus, having died and been resurrected, has all authority, all rule, all power, all dominion. And then at the end of Matthew, he says, all of these things, all authority, I give to you. Go, make disciples, correct? Okay, now, he has given us all this. So today, we live with kingdom power. We live in a place, in, 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 a, in a living where we can pray for the sake and see it take place. But we know that the full healing, the full raising from the dead, the full restoration of the land, the full restoration of relationships, all of these things will see its full expression in the not yet, in the later. Remember? Different levels of fulfillment of biblical word. So Jesus tells you that today I've given you authority and we are living in this weird space between the resurrection and the second coming. 
And this is good because we are all still in, in Revelation series, you know, with, with Pastor Chiu, you know, if, if you are. And so we need to know how to navigate this. We are living in between resurrection and revelation. And if you are somewhere in between these two, some of the great things that we are going to see in the fully renewed earth, new earth, new heavens, new Jerusalem, new Eden, some of those things we are starting to experience it now. We're starting to see when we pray for the sick, they get healed. Where? How on earth? That is, this, this is like a product sample of that. So you go to the supermarket, someone gives you a tiny cup of yogurt drink, right? And then you drink it and you say, oh, it's quite nice, you know? Then they say, would you like to buy the real product, right? That's product sample and the final product, okay? What we are living in now, okay, is... Product sample, 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 sample. Sometimes you don't get the sample. Sometimes you get the sample. All of the now that we have, which I won't get into how much you have. Some people experience it more. Some people experience it less. Is some of it to do with our faith levels? I believe that plays a part because Jesus says so in the Gospels. Is some of it, is all of it dependent on your faith levels? No, because sometimes your faith level can be maximum and still the person you're praying for passes away. So, so, but whatever we have right now is not the full fulfillment. We know this because we are still in our mortal coil. Every single one of us will still die, right? You can be healed, you'll still die, right? But there will come a day further at the very end where we will no longer die, where we will no longer get sick where there will be no more cancer, where there will be no more pain. There will the, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye and we will no longer have to cry tears of sorrow anymore. Right? We will worship Him forever. Our bodies will not decay. We live now between re resurrection and revelation, between the now and the not yet. We have some of it. Yes. We don't yet have all of it. It's okay. The sum of it that we see gives us hope that one day we shall have all of it. Sungai Bolo Church, are we okay? Because I don't want you to expect all of end times now. That's too soon. We are still living in the now and the not yet. So we navigate it with that tension. Sometimes we pray, we see miracles. Sometimes we pray, we don't. Don't feel guilty. Maybe it's not about your faith levels. Maybe it's just that God hasn't willed it to happen yet. Okay? Now, that's very important with this Ezekiel 34. Okay, we're all good with this Ezekiel 34. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing and I will send down showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. Now, the immediate fulfillment of this was Hey, literally 70 years after they were carted to Babylon, they got to go home. If you were with us in our main church last year, Ezekiel, sorry, Nehemiah, Ezra, Haggai, like, like literally you have a Medo-Persian empire saying, all of you foreigners, go home. I release you home. In fact, I'll pay for your passage home. In fact, go home and rebuild your temple. I will pay for your temple. Wow. So on an immediate level, this thing, I will make for you a covenant of peace. I will drive away everybody and regather you back home was fulfilled during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, return of Israel from Babylonian exile. Now, there was that you can also see an intermediate uh, 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 fulfillment of this, which is now the church seated in the heavenlies, like I told you in Ephesians 1, enforcing earthly rule of Jesus, our shepherd king. We are living in the intermediate uh, fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. Today, when we... Now, friends, I've, I, I, I ministered once. I think I told you all about this. I was praying for this guy in the BM church and he was demon-possessed and he just fell to the floor. And as we worshipped and prayed and took authority and cast out that demon from this guy, okay, um, eventually it left. What then does it mean? I look back and says, I will drive out the wild beasts from the land. And then I see people, normal, ordinary people, no better, no worse, but demon-possessed. 
And God says, I will drive out the wild beast from the land. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen more than once. Just some, some stories, too many stories um, to share, right? And I've seen it happen. So we are living in the midst of it. I've seen people's cancer being driven out, like a wild beast being driven from the land. I've seen it take place. And I've also seen some cases where they continue to contend with some of these things around them. So we are living in the now and not yet, the intermediate fulfillment of the prophecy. But guess what? There is an ultimate fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. And the ultimate fulfillment is New Jerusalem. And we'll get to this um, in Ezekiel 34. Uh, 40 to 48. We're going to see the temple. We're going to see the new city, right? New Jerusalem, full eternal renewal of all creation into perfect order forever. Ultimately, Ezekiel 34 will be fulfilled in New Jerusalem, where the wolf, as Isaiah says, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. You know what that means? It may have a literal meaning. We may see a literal wolf and a literal lamb lie down together. But what it also means is that the mighty and the weak will lie down together. Those who have, who have capacity for violence, those who have capacity for, 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 for oppression, cease from it and lie down peacefully with the lamb. We saw it in Daniel, literally the lion and the lamb in, in one pit together and God stopped the mouth of the lion. We've seen it before, we'll see it again and we are going to see the full expression later, one day. You, I say later, it's long, long, long later. But church, Christians, we must believe we're going to see it one day, okay? It's not, it's not something we will never see. All right, so let's look just one more. I'll show you one more from Ezekiel 34 because now it's starting to understand Ezekiel 34. I will bring them out from the peoples, right? I'll bring them out. I'll gather them from the countries. I'll bring them to their own land. I will make with them a covenant of peace, banish the wild beasts, blah, blah, blah. I've already shown you this. Immediate, immediate fulfillment, return of Israel from Babylonian exile. I'm going to gather you back into the Levant. I'm going to gather you and make you a nation there, right? There was another fulfillment. You can say that there is an intermediate fulfillment when the church started uh, um, to, to move out from Europe, going to the new lands, go to the, to the Latin Americas, going over to Malaysia, you know. And what was happening? I'm gathering my people, my flock from all around the world and I will give them an identity, a shared identity. It's like they will all have one country, the kingdom of God. So that... So that Free missionaries would come from Australia onto the shores of Borneo, go into the jungles of Borneo, and then Borneans, people from the Kalabit tribe, people from the Lumbawang tribe, became part of the flock of God, where God started saying, I'm going to gather you from the Lumbawangs. I'm going to gather you from the Kalabits. I'm going to gather you from the Murots. And I'm going to give all of your one new identity. That's verse 13. I will gather you from the countries, bring you into your own land, right? I'm going to give you a new identity. That's the age of mission, right? 18th century, 19th century, right? 17, 18, 19th century, the age of mission and, and the birth of the global church, right? May not be fully connected, you know, and now it is, right? Because we have internet, okay? There's a partial fulfillment, a provisional fulfillment. And then I know some of you will look at the formation of Israel. Totally different. Wow, this is like totally different reading, right? And you say that, oh no, Ezekiel 34 is about the formation of Israel in 1948. Now, can you read it that way? Yes, is it possible that the formation of Israel fulfills Ezekiel 34 that I'm going to gather you from, from, the, from the exile, you know, from your diaspora, from all over Europe, from all over the world and give you a land that is your own? Of course, it can be read that way. Is it the most important way to read it? Is it the ultimate fulfillment of it? I believe there is an ultimate fulfillment of Ezekiel 34 and it is the end times gathering of all believers from every nation and every nation, every nation meaning every tongue and tribe will gather, come together and become the church of Jesus. We will gather for the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 21. That is the ultimate fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. I have to move on. Okay, because it's 11.02. All right, let's click, let's click. So, God makes a covenant of peace. You are my human sheep. I am your God. 
and we shall all dwell securely in dangerous places. Church, how do we navigate this? We live in the now and the not yet. It's give it, give. When you pray, pray and believe. And then as our neighbours say, rather trust in God. Trust in God for what He's doing. Amen? All right, let's look at the next point. It is a covenant to rescue rescue you and renew the land, right? The next point. It's a covenant to rescue, rescue you and renew the land. Let's look at the next one, okay? And then we'll click straight uh, to Psalm 23 because I showed you last week, okay, that I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make, I myself will make them lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. And I told you last week that we're going to do it this week. So I'm going to show you the rest of Psalm 23 and show you that there is a pattern to Psalm 23 which maps against what's happening in Ezekiel 34. And it speaks about two things. It speaks about, about Sabbath rest and rescue. Everybody say Sabbath rest. Everybody say rescue. These two come together. Okay, let's look at the rest of Psalm 23 in the next slide right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. How do you make a lamb lie down? You can force it down, okay? Okay, uh, you can pat its back. You can try to lower it. But you know what's the best way to make a lamb lie down? When you banish all the wild beasts and, the, uh, and your sheep just graze and when they're satisfied and when they feel safe, they lie down. That's how sheep lie down. The best way, surest way for sheep to lie down. Okay, if you read accounts or, 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 or listen to accounts from shepherds, that's the best way when there's no threat in the environment, they lie down. Now, we're not the same. I've got three kids. Sometimes at night when I want to put them to bed, I make them lie down, right? And when I make them lie down, you know, I make them lie down, you know, and my rock and my stuff, you know, comes out, right? Um, and that's, that's maybe the best we can do. Who knows, right? But when God makes us lie down, He banishes all the wolves and then we feel safe and we lie down. He restores our soul. There is a, this is language of rest, Sabbath rest. And I shared with y'all, about this Sabbath rest. Uh, we can just click forward one time and then we'll click back, okay? I shared with you a sermon uh, called Sabbath is for Letting Go. You can go check out this sermon if you want to hear more about Sabbath rest, okay? Um, but then uh, after this service, let's click back and I'll show you the rest of it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is Exodus language. Okay, you're walking through the valley of shadow of death is a parallel picture of walking through the sea that should have killed Israel. This is the language of exiting, going through the waters of death in order to come out alive on the other side. So there is a language of Sabbath, there is a language of rescue. And both of these come together. Exodus, if, you're, if you have a church background, you know, right? Second book of the Bible, Exodus, God's flock is in Egypt. They are slaves. They have been slaves for 400 years and God sets them free. And when he sets them free, now you have to understand, as slaves, they work seven days, non-stop. They never rest. Nobody makes them lie down. Everybody makes them stand up and keep on working. So they work 24-7. And when God finally takes them out, he does two things. He rescues them and then he teaches them his, a proper rhythm for living. And the proper rhythm for living is you work six days, you rest one day. And this is going to remind you that I am in control. He makes you lie down. He rescues you. Right? And one of the things that I didn't get to share um, when I shared on uh, Sabbath is for letting go, now we can go to the next slide, is that I think I shared with you about Sabbath rest from a physical point of view, maybe from a relational, psychological point of view a bit more. And one thing I did not get the chance to say because there was just too much to say is that Sabbath is for spiritual replenishing. So today, your Sunday is for spiritual replenishing. That's why church is not work. Church, it should be spiritual replenishing. But Sabbath, not just that, is also to teach the people of Israel exodus and rescue. Rescue and rest. They come together, right? So you know, seven days, they rest one day. Seven years, 
on one year they let the land rest yeah you remember that on one year they let the land the land rest now every cycle of seven years of seven years on the after the 49th year is called the jubilee the 50th year is jubilee and in the year of jubilee any land that you that you took right um because people owe you money if you take land by the 50th year, you have to return that land. If you have slaves, you set your slaves free. If, you pe if people owe you debt in Jubilee year, you cancel all the debts and you set them free. Everybody gets a hard reset in the Jubilee year. And I read this just two days ago. Jubilee is God's way of showing his flock Exodus. Because the people of God will always say, well, Akong experienced Exodus, I didn't. Atso experienced Exodus, I didn't, right? But God says that, no, I'm going to give you a pattern so that you understand that rescue and rest come together. And this is how it comes together. Every generation after Exodus, within your lifetime, in 50 years, you will see it happen once, where all the slaves are set free. And that will remind you that once you were a slave. Once in your lifetime, you will see everybody, where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, I heart reset everything. So that the slave master's yoke gets broken and everything gets reset. Once in your life, I will show you that. That's the power of God's jubilee. So today, what does it mean for us? It means that rescue and rest come together. God is going to do this. He's already doing it in our lives and that's why it's so important that we are covenant people. Go to the next slide. That's why it's so important that God cuts covenant with men and when God cuts covenant with men, the, the blessings come upon the land. And the blessings come upon the land, man gets to rest, man gets rescued, everything flourishes. Is it flourishing in a perfect way now? Not yet. We are in the now and not yet. But later, one day, we have a hope. Amen? We have a hope. And how does God promise that this is Him? How does God say that this is going to be me? If you don't know who did this, it's me. He says this one line, and you will know that I am Yahweh. And with this, let's go to the next and final point, right? Let's skip through this. It's okay. Our story, what happens to us is God's signature on the covenant. Next slide. The English translation says, and you will know that I am the Lord. L-O-R-D in capitals. Okay, often in small caps for the O-R-D, right? If you open your physical Bible, you will see it. Every time you see L-O-R-D in capitals, it is the Hebrew word Yahweh, is translation. If it's L but small O, small R, small D, it is Adonai, okay? If it's Adonai Yahweh, then it says the Lord God, okay? Now, the real Hebrew says, and you will know that I am Yahweh, or you will know my name is Yahweh, all right? Now, it's actually very different. This is one area where I feel the English translation fails us English readers, okay? And so it, it really helps that we know the Hebrew original, okay? Because, and you will know that I am the Lord has a different flavor from, and you will know that I am Yahweh. Hang with me there. If you say, and you will know that I am the Lord, okay, tell you what, why don't I show you this? Okay, let's go to the next slide. Okay, let's go to the next slide. I'm going to show you this. The original says this, right? Uido kiani Yahweh, right? Which is Hebrew for the literal word by word translation is and they know that are Yahweh. Okay, that's the literal word for word translation. In English, we translate it to and you will know that I am Yahweh. But we, in English, we translate it to the Lord, okay? Or rather, actually, the BM grammar kind of lends itself better to it. Dan taulah diorang, taulah kamu, bahawa aku Yahweh, okay? Not aku ialah Yahweh, or aku ialah Tuhan. It's akulah Yahweh. 
I am Yahweh, not I am a God, not I am the God, not I am the most powerful God, not I am the Lord God, the master of the universe, I am insert name. Now, what's the difference? If you go to the next slide, I'm going to show you the difference. Look on the white half. If you will know that I am the Lord seems to imply the meaning you will know that, you know what, you will know how great I am. You will know that I am not just any God. I am not just any deity. I am the Lord. That's the impression. That's how I've always read Ezekiel. Uh, um, whenever I see this, by the way, this occurs 92 times throughout Ezekiel. So it's very important, right? On the white half, you're going to get this feeling that what God is saying, when you see all these things happen, you will know that I am the biggest God. I am the God of gods, the name above all names, the Lord above all lords. Now that is true, but that's not what God is trying to say here. What he's trying to say is, and you will know it was me. A bit of background. Remember Exodus? When, when, Israel, when Israel walked out through the sea and the waters closed in on Egypt, right? And they got to the other side. Immediately, all the foreign nations on the other side knew that Israel's God is Ruabiasa. And you can see, you read the Old Testament, they will many times say that, oh, their God is in their camp. You know, that is the same God that took them out of Egypt. That is the same God that, that, that flooded the Egyptians in the sea. They know Yahweh has a reputation. And every time they hear Yahweh, they know the reputation. This is a God who rescues his people, takes them out of slavery, breaks that yoke, and lets them rest, be rescued and rest, right? They know Yahweh has that reputation. So in Ezekiel, when God says, and you will know that I am Yahweh, he is saying, when you see this happen, this happen, this happen, this happen, and you wonder which deity did it, you will know Yahweh did it. That's what he's saying. Does that make sense? He's saying, now if I give you a, an example, okay, how many of you, you like mafia movies, right? Today, Italy and England. I like mafia movies, okay? Um, and it's a bit like saying this, right? When you see the house burned down, okay, three of the cars blown up, okay, and all the people in the house, okay, killed and fed in the shark tank, you will know Don Corleone has been here because that is Don Corleone's signature. I burn up the house, I blow up the cars, and I feed you to the shark tank. You will know that I am Don Corleone when you see all these signs. In other words, nobody else takes vengeance this way except for Don Corleone, right? That is one way of saying it, right? If you are a film buff, you will say that, oh, when I see the, you know, uh, uh, the shot like this, you know, it is symmetrical and it pushes in and then the character speaks into the camera, you will know Wes Anderson made this film, right? It's like that, right? So we have this language, we understand it is a signature. And God is saying, when you see I bust the yoke of the slave master, I set my people free, I lay them on the ground to rest. I deliver them from slavery. I give them a fertile soil. You will know Yahweh did it. No one else does this. Yahweh does this. How does this apply for us, for us today, church? How this means for us today is hang on to Jesus because He is the Good Shepherd. He will bring us to a pasture land where we will be safe one day. Ultimate safety is there ahead of us. Today, we are in the now and not yet. We struggle with, between danger, safety, assurance, and trusting, confidence, and holding things in tension, uncertainty, and reality. We are living in that weird tension. But know that it is Yahweh. It is our God, the same God of the Old Testament, he said, I am the God who comes. I am with you, Emmanuel, Yahweh. And I will come and bring you to that end destination one day. Hang on to Jesus. He is a good God. He will fulfill His promise. There is an ultimate fulfillment of His prophecy. There is an ultimate fulfillment of His promise over us. Only hang in there.
and your life and my life may pass away before we see their ultimate fulfillment, possibly, maybe, unless Jesus comes before that. Who knows? But only hang in there. And if you see disaster outside your home, hang in there. Know that God both banishes every wild beast from the land and will give you a place of rest. Only some of it now, all of it later. So church, let us all lift our hands. Let's lift our hands and pray. You know, church, you would think that this is a picture-perfect way for Israel to end its relationship or, or for Israel to close out this, this season. And in fact, it looks like they should have just said, yes, we'll be your sheep, you'll be our God forever and ever. Perfect story, perfect ending, happily ever after. But church, they went back into their old ways. And 600 years later, you saw how cruel they were to the poor. You saw how wicked they were to, the, to, to, to those who were oppressed. You saw that they kept, you know, they, they, they enslaved people in a new kind of slavery. A slavery to their moral standards, a slavery to the law, a slavery to all kinds of new things. And generation after generation after generation of people who try their best to be religious keep falling away from the promise of mercy, the promise of grace, and the DNA of God, which is to rescue and give rest. Church, outside of Jesus, there is no hope for rescue and rest that hangs on. They thought they could do it. And then after X number of years, they all rolled back to their original ways. Church, outside of Jesus, there is no rescue and rest that lasts forever. But in Jesus Christ, there is rescue and rest that lasts forever. And I want to remind you of the verse just before that. It says, Ruler of the nations, the world has yet to see the full release of your promise. Yes. I didn't even plan this with Pastor Ramesh, but the verse exactly speaks the, 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 the sermon. The world has yet to see the full release of your promise. And what is that full release? The church in victory. But how will we get there day by day? Lanka demi Lanka, let your glory fall in this room. It starts with his glory falling in this room. And then the moment church ends, all of you go out to your communities, let it go forth from here to the nations. Amen? Be that church. We, are, we, we don't go to church. We are the church. We gather as a church. Then go forth from here to the nations. Father, we thank you and we bless your holy name. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you separate us now with your blessing, with your peace, with your joy, and with your triumph. And help us to navigate every single hardship and difficulty as we go forth day by day into the nations. Lord Jesus, may you bless us and keep us. May you take, turn your face toward us and give us, well, uh, and be gracious to us. May you turn your countenance toward all of us and give us your shalom. And all of God's people, shout aloud. Amen.